All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Rebranded Athlete Podcast. I'm really excited for today's guest. Today with me, I have Brock Johnson. And besides being a former D1 football player for UC Davis, he now helps entrepreneurs and creators with organic Instagram growth. He's gained more than 250,000 followers on Instagram in six months, and is also a seven-figure business owner at just 24 years old and provides immense value and entertainment on his reels on Instagram. So if you guys haven't seen his reels, you got to check it out. He's got some great content out there and is always entertaining us. So Brock, welcome to the Rebranded Athlete Podcast. How are you today? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a, a important group to get to speak to. And, and I'm happy that we finally get to merge my my love and my life, which for 23 years was football and being an athlete. And now what I've been doing for the last few years, which is business and marketing and social media and stuff like that. Yeah, it's great. As soon as I found out that you had played football at UC Davis, I was like, oh, he's going to be a great person <laughs> to have on this podcast. So glad you agreed to come on. But let's start back. Like, When did your love for football begin and how did that take you to UC Davis? Totally. So we don't need to go into the full backstory, but basically I come from a football family. My grandpa is the second winningest coach in California high school state history. My uncle played in the NFL for 10 plus years. My dad played professionally as well in the NFL and in Canada. So I come from a football family. Football was something that was always going to be a part of my life. And I fell in love with it probably before I could even talk or walk. I and mean, I had been playing football since I was in kindergarten or preschool and eventually ended up playing college ball at UC Davis. Nice. That's great. So you had really no choice, <laughs> to, but, <laughs> but to exactly. play football and be around with it. Yeah. And just great opportunities for that. So I'm um, getting to UC Davis where you recruited, where you're a walk on. How did that come about? Totally. So I had a really successful high school career and I actually got recruited to play at Georgetown University out in Washington, D.C. Yeah. So I, I played my freshman year out at Georgetown. I actually got to start a few games during my freshman season, but it just wasn't where I saw myself for the next three to four years. It wasn't where I uh, thought I would have the best career, the best opportunities long term. Not saying it's not a great school. Definitely is. I definitely had great fun there, have great teammates and have nothing bad to say about the school. It just wasn't where I saw myself. So I entered the transfer portal and this was about seven years ago before the transfer portal was in commercials and before it was talked about on you know every ESPN segment. But I transferred to UC Davis in Northern California. It was just a great fit for me. They had just hired a new coaching staff. We had a past relationship with their new coaches. So it was just a great fit for me and some a place where I ended up really helping both my career and really my business as well. Yeah, that's great. Sometimes that happens in life where you just don't feel like it's the place for you. And I'm glad you were able to yeah. find that UC Davis. We used to play against them when I was at Cal State Fullerton. So I've been up there quite mm -hmm. a few times and they'd always have a yeah. volleyball festival when I was growing up as a kid. So I spent many times on that campus. It's hot out there for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it gets real hot out there in the summer and then it can get real chilly in the winter as well. But Davis, is it's a great community. It's not too far from Sacramento. So you have the, the big town or the big city nearby. You still get that like small college town feel. Yeah, it totally feels like that when you travel through there. You can just feel mm -hmm. that the whole community surrounds that that organization. So that's great. And as you are now knowing that you have that kind of family legacy behind you, as far as like NFL and things like that, were you thinking that you were going to go professional or did you kind of know that you wanted to move into a different portion of your life? Yeah. So that was the only option for me pretty much until I was 
20 or 21 years old, that was what I was going to do with my life. And it was actually, to be totally candid, I was sitting in therapy as a 20 year old. And my therapist asked me, what happens if you don't play in the NFL? What happens if you don't make it to be a professional football player? And I sat there in silence because that question had never even crossed my mind. That possibility had never struck me. That might not be the thing. So absolutely, until I was you know, 20, 21 years old, that was the only option. But I'm glad she asked that question. I'm glad that was something I started thinking about because as I looked at myself more realistically, I was probably not the best fit for the NFL. And of course, now I'm not playing in the NFL. So I'm really thankful that question was asked and that was uh, something I started to think about and consider. Yeah, no, it's sometimes the reality comes to fruition at different times like that. Did you go into college having anything that you wanted to major in or were you part of, we talk about this on the Rebranded Athlete podcast too, like a lot of people Mm -hmm. just, especially who are on scholarship or whatnot, go through and just major in eligibility. But did you have interest (laughs) that you had? (laughs) I love that. I love that. Majoring in eligibility. I'm definitely going to use that in the future. Absolutely. (laughs) I didn't have something I necessarily wanted to major in. I was, have always been very entrepreneurial. And even from before my even first fall at Georgetown, I had started my first business. That was when I launched the business that I have today. And so I knew I wanted to work for myself. And I also knew that in order to be an entrepreneur, in order to be my own boss, I didn't necessarily need a college degree. I knew that if it wasn't uh, for football, I probably wouldn't go to college. I probably would have just straight out of high school, started my own business, started working for myself. So with all that being said, I kind of majored in eligibility, especially once I got to UC Davis. (laughs) I I chose something that would allow me to be able to build my brand and would allow me to work the entrepreneurial side and have more time for business and work and wouldn't be super demanding. And it also just worked out that I wasn't super passionate about engineering or physics or, or anything in you know the medical field that might require a lot more hours. Yeah, quite honestly, at the end of the day, school isn't for everybody. And it's definitely a different system and platform that you go into. You think your skill set as an entrepreneur came natural to you? Was it something that you inherited maybe from your parents or <laughs> how did that? Yeah, it was definitely something that was learned. And it was learned not through instruction and lesson, not through books and reading, but through monkey see monkey do. My parents are both very entrepreneurial. They've bought and owned and sold, uh, I think, seven or eight different businesses throughout my life. So from a very young age, I got to see the full scope of what entrepreneurship looked like. I got to see the great things. Like they were able to take me to school every day. They were able to watch practices and never miss a game. But I also got to see the tough things. I got to see workaholism, which my mom developed. I got to see the late nights, the early morning, the stressful, tough conversations, the hiring and firing of people. But my parents really let my sister and myself see all of that and soak it all up and, and decide for ourselves if there was something we were interested in. And so from a really young age, besides football, the other thing that I was always doing was trying to start little businesses here and there and sell things and become a little entrepreneur from a young age. I don't want to say it was natural. I don't think I was born with it, but I think from a really young age, I got it exemplified for me. And it's really easy to learn. People are walking the walk right in front of you. Yeah. And you have that environment that you're in. I can only imagine being with your family, like what a great thing that you were able to be exposed to that and learn at an early age, because I'm sure all of us and those of you guys listening out there, I'm sure everybody's started with the lemonade stand or whatever it was when you're a little kid, but being able to see even from your parents, like the business aspect of it. And like you talked about too, the ups and the downs, because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, and we'll get into this a little bit with social media, but there's a facade there because a lot of times people are only thinking that they're 
seeing like the good parts that are going and not really the real life behind the scenes thing that people have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty admirable for that. So you mentioned in there, you were building your business while you were still in school and playing football. So let's talk a little bit about that. Did you realize at the time, especially being an athlete, a D1 athlete, that you could capitalize on that and turn Mm -hmm. yourself into a brand or how did that kind of come about? Totally. So I think I'm very jealous. I think that's the first thing I want to say. I'm I'm envious of the current student athletes who have the ability to use their likeness, use their name. (laughs) Uh, Because even though I graduated just two years ago, that wasn't an option for me when I was in college. And earlier, I briefly mentioned that transferring to UC Davis ended up providing a lot of blessings for my business. to get a little into that story a little bit more, when I was at Georgetown, I didn't have a ton of guidance from the compliance office. And I'm sure you've talked about the compliance office, but for anyone you know listening who doesn't know, basically they're the liaison or the middleman between the athletics department and the NCAA to make sure that the students are you know complying by the rules. So my, and this is no shade towards Georgetown, my compliance office there wasn't super helpful about my business. They were just saying, basically, we don't recommend it. We don't think this is a good idea. It's gonna be tough. There's a lot of hoops to jump through and we recommend just not trying to build this whole business thing. Um, but upon transferring to UC Davis, I actually got a lot more assistance and a lot more help with, here's how you can do this. Here's how you can make this legal. Here's how you can make this clean in terms of the NCAA sense. And so that's how I was able, able to uh, start my business at, at UC Davis and really have it flourish a lot more there. I got a lot more guidance and assistance from UC Davis, even to the point where at one point, the NCA did shut down my business for approximately six months and I was under, under a full investigation. I had to stop all business. I had to stop taking on all new clients and customers. I had to submit all my expenses, all of my statements and pay stubs, everything wow. basically prove I'm a legit business. I'm not just taking money from donors and not actually doing any real work. I had to submit letters to the NCA and do and jump through all of those hoops. But all of that to just say UC Davis was very helpful in that process and circling all the way back, envious of student athletes today who don't have to jump through as many hoops to build on their likeness. Imagine if you were still in school now. Yeah. <laughs> and oh what my you gosh. Can capitalize oh my gosh. on yeah. now. And I think that's the thing. Like it's so new to the whole NIL thing, the name and image and likeness. It's just if athletes can get themselves, even like you, start building their brand and their business while they're in athletics and whether they go professional or not capitalizing on that, especially the first year out of, out of sport, how much it can propel you and accelerate your, your success and your growth, especially if you're going to be your own brand and have your own business and be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Totally. You were two years too late. I'm way too late for that, for the game. So (laughs) (laughs) I feel you on that, but it's definitely a new generation of athletes coming up. And during the time, obviously when you're in college, Instagram was a big thing. Is that where you initially started? Was that your goal was to get started on Instagram first? No, absolutely not. I actually got my start teaching. This is going to be funny for a lot of people to hear. I got my start teaching parents, specifically moms, how to keep their kids safe on Snapchat. And I think it's a great lesson to learn for anyone listening is to just get started. And you might have some pushback. It might be funny or goofy. And it was definitely funny and goofy. And I definitely got some teasing from some of my you know, fellow football players at Georgetown I'm when sure. I'm 18 years old, walking around the campus, filming videos of myself, teaching lessons to moms about Snapchat. Like I was definitely the snitch, but just, I just got started. Really, I, I forced myself to, hey, this is what I'm good at. This is something I know, and I'm just going to get started. To give the background of how that did get started was 
I was sitting there the summer before my first fall at Georgetown. And I knew I wanted to be able to provide for myself. I wanted to be able to eat the food I want, go grocery shopping, take my friends out to the movies sometimes and not have to rely on my parents for that financial benefit. I didn't have to rely. I didn't want to uh, rely on them for the financial umbilical cord. I wanted to cut it. Um, and I wasn't on a full scholarship. UC David or Georgetown doesn't offer athletic scholarships for football. So I wasn't on a a full scholarship. So I, they were already paying for quite a bit and I wanted to be able to provide for myself, but as a lot of student athletes listening will know, I didn't have time for a full-time job. I couldn't go get a minimum wage job down the street and work. I, I barely had time to eat, sleep, do my homework and go to workouts. So I knew I had to create something that allowed me the flexibility to work for myself. And I looked at, looked at myself, looked around and said, what am I good at right now? And I said, well, I just taught my parents how to use Snapchat because I was at college and I didn't want to have to text them all day. I wanted to just send them little snaps of what I was I doing. It. So I was like, hey, I could teach other parents how to use Snapchat and I could teach them the ins and outs of how to keep their kids safe and know what's going on over on Snapchat. And so that's how my first business was born. Yeah, just get started. That's such great advice because we always get caught up in ourselves of having that perfect thing or when I have this, then I'll be able to do that instead of just just do the work, just see what happens. And oftentimes it leads you down a different path. What you thought was originally going to be the thing doesn't end up being the thing in the end. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I'm with I'm doing Instagram stuff now. I'm teaching marketing to business owners different platform, different niche, different subject, but I got started. And, and because I got started, it was able to grow and evolve and change. Yeah. Did any of your teammates catch on to any of the great things you were doing? Did anybody else want to start their own businesses because they were inspired mm-hmm. by you? <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny now because none of my Georgetown friends who I'm still in contact with, none of them that I know of ended up starting any businesses like that. But now a lot of my friends from UC Davis, a few of them have podcasts. A few of them have mm-hmm. talked to me about starting their own businesses and how did I get into it and marketing and how do they grow on Instagram? Uh, so it's funny to, to see it all come full circle now. And the, the kid who was once made fun of for starting the business is now being asked for advice. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And so like your Instagram following, was it did it gain more traction once the real feature, the reels feature actually came in or or how did that come about? Yeah, so I, I slowly grew throughout uh, my college career. I think by the time I graduated, I had somewhere around 50,000 followers on Instagram. And I was definitely growing. And I was definitely, at that time, considering myself successful and considering I was really proud of my growth on Instagram. And then almost a year ago, about 10 months ago at the time that we're recording this, I was like, hey, I always talk about reels. I always talk about consistency. What if I just challenge myself to post one reel per day? That's all it was. I wasn't challenging anyone else. I wasn't doing it as a big marketing stunt. I was just like, let me see if I could challenge myself to do this for 30 days. And very quickly, it took off. By the third day, I was growing at a rate of 1,000 followers a day. And here we are 300, 312 days later. And I'm still growing at that same rate of a thousand followers a day. So it's been a really consistent growth and I'm now over 380,000 and it still continues to grow and I'm still posting a reel a day. I think (laughs) I've missed two or three days this entire last year, but that consistency plus uh, the extreme growth factor that is reels, those two things married together has just kind of created this perfect storm. Wow. That's great. And it goes back to even being an athlete, like the consistency that you put in day in, day out, it's like that compound effect, like it's going to pay off over time. And when you think about all these reels that you've done, it's just amazing to see that 
you were just challenging yourself. It wasn't even anything that you're competing with anybody, but you stay consistent at it. And that's tremendous growth that you have. And not only that, because there are a lot of people out there who are just throwing stuff out and seeing what sticks. But even the content that I've seen that you've provided, it's entertaining. I, I have to tell you, I love when you put the different wigs on or different characters uh -huh. or whatever it is, but it, there's always value in it. And I think that's so important for people to take away, especially if they're starting their own businesses or whatnot, it's the value that you put out to your followers. And then mm -hmm. later on that could monetize into something, but that one nugget you put out there could really change the course of somebody's life, their business direction, wherever they're going. So it's pretty amazing. 1000% I agree. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as getting all the social media together and things like that, what do you think for an athlete, especially now, knowing that they can capitalize on this NIL, the name, image, and likeness, what advice would you give to a student athlete right now with the, the rules that they have now that they're able to play? What would you be able to do with what they have at this moment? Totally. Well, growth on any social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, anything, it goes back to identifying your niche. And let's simplify that word. Basically, what's your focus? What are you going to focus on? It would be really tough to be a great basketball player if you were also at the same time trying to be a great football player and golfer. Like I'm all for playing multiple sports. Definitely play all the sports you can in high school. But if you want to be a professional, if you want to be elite, you're going to have to get focused, right? You're going to have to get dedicated. It's the same thing with social media. So niche, that's really where things start. And if I'm a student athlete specifically, I think you really need to sit down, be real with yourself and identify do I want my niche, my identity, my focus to be around my sport? Because that's definitely a thing. I have plenty of friends who played college football and now they're getting into the GA, the grad assistant role, and they're going to become a high school coach. They want to be a college coach one day. Like they want to stay in the sport. If that's you, then definitely build your brand, build your niche, your identity around that sport. But maybe you're someone who's like, ah, I'm also into this other thing, or I also have this other passion. So maybe that's going to be your focus, but you can definitely be successful with either route and you don't have to totally ignore the other parts of who you are. I think that's important too, is just because you have a focus on Instagram marketing doesn't mean you can, you should totally ignore the fact that you play call, but you can talk about your other interests and passions and hobbies as well. It's just really, where is your focus going to be? And I think identifying that focus is step one towards growing on any of these social platforms. Yeah, that's definitely great advice, as, especially as you're looking out to transition as well, because a lot of people in the real statistic is that 2% of college athletes are actually going to go play pro, but then from there, yeah. how many are actually going to actually make it to the big dance too, especially if you mm -hmm. play baseball, different things. There's a lot of time that you're waiting in those totally. coming leagues. And then you have this hope that it's going to happen and it's not. But meanwhile, you could be building something on the side, essentially like a plan B in case mm -hmm. <laughs> plan A doesn't work out. Totally. Yeah. Your transition, let's talk about that a little bit. So it hasn't been that long, obviously, mm -hmm. since you last played football, but you still identify with yourself at, as that football player or have you now come to terms with that was a part of me and and just so you know Brock a little bit of background with rebranded athletes so what we believe is that you're not a former athlete you're not a retired athlete but you're in fact a rebranded athlete which means mm -hmm. that you take the skill set that you learned as an athlete and you apply it to this next part of your life so where do you see yourself right now do you see yourself as that rebranded athlete or are you still having difficulty letting go of that football player Brock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I've definitely let go of it. And I love that. I love this way of framing it and thinking it uh, about it as a rebranded athlete, because it's so true. All of us athletes, we have this 
so many intangibles and we've learned so many life lessons from our sport, which can really benefit us and provide a lot for us in this post sport, post being the actual paid athlete or college athlete post that world, um, in the business world or whatever, it can really benefit you and really help you. And yeah, I think I've moved on. I think I've put my playing career to bed. I miss the guys. I miss the team, but I also recognize that was a part of my life. That was a season uh, of something I was doing. And that's, that's not what I'm doing anymore, but I still love it. And I still watch every game and I still talk with all my guys about everything that's going on. Yeah. And I love how you said season, because we also refer to that too. This is the next season. And I think for athletes, we, you know, get caught up in how good it feels to be part of something, to win, to achieve all these goals. And we think that's as good as life gets. And in fact, it's just a small little portion of what our life entails. And that's why I'm a big proponent of not leaving it behind you, but taking it with you. And those, and like you hit on those life lessons are so valuable and really are priceless because you can't take a course on it. You can't, you know, go to school for it. You have to experience it on the quarter field to really get that skill set. And that's what I noticed as I went into the workforce, how different I was because I was that athlete and it, and it showed in everything that I did in, in the course of my life leading up to even where I am now. So what would you say is like the the number one life lesson that that you learned from athletics and that you take with mm-hmm. you now? Yeah, I think it's uh, consistency, being able to like consistently show up even when you're not necessarily feeling it, even when you're not super juiced that day. But more on that, to get more specific, it's the resiliency in order to remain consistent. Show up to that workout when maybe your knees feeling a little stiff that morning or, or to go out to practice and strap up and show up on time, even when you know your stomach's a little upset that day, or even when you got you got a big test tomorrow, or even when you had an argument with your friend the night before, you're still able to put that aside and, and focus on what needs to get done and stay consistent. And also just embracing the suck. Really, I had a, a professor who at one point, and he was also had to do with the, the football team in the athletics department, he called it embracing the suck or entering the pain cave. And it's something that I think athletes can do better than anyone else. Yeah, Like we understand, hey, it might not be super enjoyable to put a couple plates on this barbell right now and back squat eight times. Like it might not be the most fun thing the rest of this workout or going to the 6 a.m. conditioning practice. That might not be the most fun thing I'm going to do, but I can enter the pain cave. I can embrace the suck and I can know what's going to come of that. I can find joy in these little moments and I can know what's going to come because of the sacrifices, so to speak, that I'm making now. Yeah. So many mindset lessons that we learn and we take with us. And it's interesting how you apply that now to the day-to-day work. And even for me as an entrepreneur, the days where it's hard and you think it's just, it's you against everyone else. It's no, it's like hone back in on all those hard lessons that you learned as an athlete and know that you'll be able to get on the other side of it. And then make a, make a comeback or make a breakthrough, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Great stuff. So before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now, as far as your business. If you're, I know you'd mentioned coaching some clients and different things, but let's hear about what Brock's up to now. Yeah. So after I graduated, I really did a deep dive into one-on-one coaching, spending sometimes six, seven hours a day with one-on-one one hour call after call from 9am till 4pm eating snacks like on the call because I didn't have time to stop for an actual lunch. 
that was crazy. And that burnt me out, but I learned it was going to like, I hear about these schools, the gymnasts go to where they do nothing but gymnastics from a young age. You hear about this stuff during the Olympics. I feel like it was my equivalent of that, but for Instagram and for business coaching. (laughs) And so from that, I learned a lot, but I also learned that that's not what I wanted to do long-term. It wasn't scalable. It was something that was really draining and time-consuming for me. And the only way to do more of it or, or, or build a business from it was to just charge people more money, which isn't necessarily what I wanted to do. So now what I do is I have a Instagram membership where people can pay to subscribe and they, they get a ton from that. They get lessons, they get trainings, they get templates and, and action steps and downloads. But in its simplest form, what I'm doing now is teaching business owners how to grow on Instagram. That's in its simplest form what I do for a living. That's great. It's huge, especially right now with what the trends are with Instagram. And does the algorithm ever get to you sometimes? I know it's like hot topic right now, but. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I have such an understanding of it. Not that it doesn't get to me, not that every post I make does great, but when it doesn't, I'm not in a place where I'm like, ah, it's the algorithm. I'm able to look myself in the mirror and and identify what things I'm doing wrong, but it's taken a long time to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. The self-reflection on those things. And and even for me, it seems like the the posts that I I have that feeling about, I'm like, let me just put it out there. Those do the best compared Mm -hmm. to the ones where I sit there and I plan forever and try to make it perfect. And that's one thing about this is you cannot strive for perfectionism within because it's really procrastination to getting you to where you really need to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So where could our listeners get a hold of you if they want to find out more about this uh, subscription service you offer or maybe just follow you? Yeah, I think that's honestly the best thing to do. It's just start following me. And then if the subscription is right for you, if you want to learn more, if you want to get extra coaching or advice, just hit me up in the DMs. I get a couple thousand messages a day, but with that being said, I do really stay on top of it and I do respond to probably 95% of those messages. So just follow me on Instagram. My handle is at Brock11Johnson, the one one right there in the middle of the name. That was my football number. Nice. Um, so just follow me on Instagram and uh, I promise you'll learn something. You might be entertained a little bit. And if you want to learn more, just hit me up in the DMs. Yeah, it's definitely great entertainment, you guys, and great value. And <laughs> and he is a man of his word. He does follow through on the DMs for sure. So that's how you and I connected and got on here. Mm-hmm. And I'm super grateful that you took the time out today because there's definitely other athletes and people who could, you know, really benefit from the value that you're bringing and be inspired to be at your age right now doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. You're just getting started, Brock. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I I appreciate it. That's really sweet. Thank you. Awesome. All right, you guys, we'll put all that information in the show notes for you. We'll catch you next time on the Rebranded Athlete Podcast. Take care.